This brother here, myself, all of us were born with our hair like this, and we just wear it like this because it's natural. Because uh, the reason for it, you might say, is like a new awareness among black people that their own natural appearance, its physical appearance, is beautiful and it's pleasing to them. For so many, many years, we were told that only white people were beautiful. Only straight hair, light eyes, light skin was beautiful. And so black women would try everything they could, straighten their hair, lighten their skin, to look as much like white women. But this has changed because black people are aware. And white people are aware of it too because white people now want uh, natural wigs. They want wigs like this. Dig it? Isn't it beautiful? All right. <laughs> There is no better way to start off our talk about the natural hair movement than with this amazing and poignant quote from Kathleen Cleaver. Kathleen Cleaver is an American law professor known for her involvement in the Black Power Movement and the Black Panther Party. Whenever I think about natural hair and think about talking about it and the significance and just about us reclaiming the hair that grows out of our head the way that it grows out of our scalp, it's, it's oh, child. Um, I always think about this. So I wanted to gift this onto my listeners. That's always what I think of first. And I'm glad that everyone got to hear it. Welcome, welcome to the Chatting with Shanice podcast. I'm your host, Shanice, journalism student, womanist, and Black culture enthusiast. I'm here to talk all things Black girls, women, and femmes. We're getting to all types of topics. Anything that prioritizes our healing and joy is on the table. If you want to find me outside of the airwaves, you can read my blog at www.shaysjoyshanice.com and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at shaysjoyshanice. Much love and on with the show. So, (laughs) we are going to be talking about the natural hair movement the modern natural hair movement. I distinctly say modern because I'm talking about the 2013, 2014 plus, well, onwards time on YouTube specifically, YouTube, and it kind of carried over to Instagram after a while. But if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, I'm here to inform and we will definitely be getting into every little subtopic over the coming weeks. So this is just going to be an overarching introduction and a beginning to the discussion because I do want y'all to get involved and tell me your experiences. I'll definitely be sharing mine in this. So yeah, Kathleen Cleaver was part of the initial, the initial natural hair movement. But yeah, welcome. And I'm hoping that you are here to learn and to hear and to listen and to feel community. So on my Instagram at Chase Joy Shanice, Um, On my story, I asked my followers a series of questions pertaining to natural hair and their experiences with their own um, to talk about on the podcast, you know? Granted, my Instagram isn't the greatest sample size, not by a long shot. Um, If you've ever taken statistics, you know that. But I'm going to go with the joyful community first, okay? (laughs) Okay? So I asked four questions, and here are the results. First question, have you ever been on a natural hair journey? 83% of my followers said yes, and 17% said no. 
I know some people that 17% might like actually shock them, but I'm like, no, like as long as like the natural hair journey was a yes, more so, um, I was, I was pretty like, yeah, I suspected that. But I also feel like I suspect that because I am in America and most, and my followers are in America at this point, you know, if you overseas, girl, you know, slide, slide. We love y'all over here. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, I feel like um, having a natural hair journey um, in countries where we are the minority is 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 more common. So 83% of my followers saying yes, definitely saw that coming. Question two, have you ever relaxed your hair? 57% said no, and 43% said yes. This is the one that shocked me. Because <laughs> um, I know when a lot of us are younger, we don't have the autonomy over our hair, which we are going to talk about in, in multiple facets as the podcast continues on on the natural hair talk. Because the things that I have learned that their mothers have done, like I didn't know until maybe a month ago that there are people who used to have their hair be messed up or not done or shaved clean off as punishment. Like their hair and their, the way that they looked was used as punishment by their parent, nine times out of 10, the mother, um, to punish them. So, and I, I didn't know this. I really wanted to talk about this and do more investigative in this into this. If you have any experience with that, let me know. Um, I would love to share your story. But yeah, so just the lack of autonomy that we have over our hair. And I, did, I don't think I really gained autonomy over my hair until I was a freshman in high school. I think I was a freshman in high school, and that's my first wore my first ever wig. I never owned a wig before then. And it was very much, my mom would still pay for it, but I would say what's being done to it. And it'd just be like, okay, whatever. As long as it wasn't on $600, nothing. I used to get it, um, which I realized is a privilege. But yeah, having, 50, having the majority of my followers say, no, they've never been relaxed, actually shocks me because... And it's a running joke across platforms. It's a running joke on Twitter. It's a running joke on TikTok that, um, oh, it would be something completely unrelated, which is so funny. But it'd be like, oh, if my mama never put relaxer in my hair when I was five, I could have looked like this or I could have done this or I could have had that. And it'd just be something out of left field. Like, oh, if my mama never relaxed my hair, I could have had that body. Like, just jokey jokes, right? But, and it's just, like, funny because all of us know shit. <laughs> I feel like that type of thinking and framing um, about, oh, if I never experienced relaxer, then I would have this thing that I want or something would be better than what it is. I feel it's a byproduct of the natural hair movement and we can get into that later, but I, I really do feel it's a byproduct, byproduct of the natural hair movement. Um, the, oh, I wouldn't have to start from scratch if I never, you know, chemically altered my, my curl pattern and not having to do the big chop or not having to do the transition phase. All of that, all of that. And a lot of us have experience with that. So for the majority of my followers, not too. Granted, it's not too far off. 57% said no and 43% said yes. So it's not this huge gap, but I was still shocked. And honestly, I'm happy for y'all. <laughs> I'm very happy for y'all because I did not leave my childhood unscathed from that burn, baby. That that scalp burning, that scalp itching, 
that's sitting there like mama i need to rinse i did not i did not leave unscathed from that <laughs> so question three how often do you go to the hair salon now this one wasn't a simple yes or no so like it's hard to really summarize and explain the results to y'all um but basically the majority of my followers said that they had never they don't go that they just never go to the hair salon which was like hmm well hmm. <laughs> i'm not saying i was surprised because we are going to talk about these new age hairstylists so i'm not shocked i just hate that for us <laughs> that's what it is i hate that for us i'm not shocked but i hate that for us um i I, I don't see myself going to a hair salon anytime soon. I've, I Last time I was in a hair salon was literally a month ago. A month ago. A little over a month ago. Um, I'm not going back. I'm actually sitting here with a fresh retwist. I finally gave in and retwisted my locks. And I think it's funny because I'm pretty sure on the blog, which is www.chasejoyshanice.com, you guys should also go check out the blog, but it's also linked in the bio. I am a writer at heart. This podcasting thing is new. But yeah, um, I'm sitting here with a fresh retwist. I just retwisted my hair last night because, child, child, I, I'm not anti-salon. I actually would rather go to the salon. I like getting treated. But I had to switch stylists because I moved into my apartment off campus, which is hours away from where I'm from. So I'm not near home. I can't go to the person I was doing it before. Went into the salon to get it done. She's going to, you know, scrub my scalp all nice. I'm all clean. I'm sitting in the chair ready to get twisted up. And she's going to tell me that to retwist my hair would cost $100. And she told me then that would cost $100. Mind you, if you go to the blog and you check and you see my lock journey posts, you will see that my hair doesn't even touch my, <laughs> it doesn't even touch my shoulders. My locks are still very sh- short and still very new. They cute though. They cute. You should go check it out. But um, I don't even have short length locks. I don't. And I would say my I have medium locks. I'm nowhere, I'm not sister locks, nowhere near sister locks, but I'm not like a true, I'm not true bulky. Granted, I still kind of have baby locks, so they're going to get bulkier anyways. But yeah, it was a hundred, and then she said a hundred fifty to twist them together. Uh, child, we're gonna get into the whole price and everything with the hairstylist later. But the reason, and I don't knock people for charging what they're worth. Definitely do that all the time. I am for charging what y'all worth. But, 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 in my hometown, for the first seven months of my lock journey, I was getting retwisted monthly. For 65. 65 and then 80 if I wanted it twisted. No, no. I went to like three different hairstylists in my city and it never surpassed that. Mind you, where I'm from is a bigger city than where I'm at right now. It has more people, it has more things going on. So it's not even like, oh, like you're getting in the cut. Not, nothing. No. So yeah, I bought that lock gel. Um, <laughs> I bought that lock gel, came in yesterday, twisted my thing all up. It's cute. Um, I love hair salons. I prefer hair salons, but I see why the majority of my readership of y'all, of the joyful community said that they don't go no more. I'm, I'm going to be so honest. I see why y'all don't go. I see why y'all don't go. I agree. I am now somebody who will never be going again. Well, I won't say never. 
Mm, it's probably never. But I just, child, between these policies and a lot of the older salons not being fully updated and being on like social media or even just a, a basic website, because you know our generation prefers to, our generation prefers to book appointment online. That some of them don't even have that option. And then it's just these prices and we kind of, because, you know what, that's another byproduct of the natural hair movement. A lot of it, a lot of us feel like we can do it ourselves now. A lot of us feel like we can do it ourselves now. And we truly believe that. And half the time we'll be like, okay, well, I'm gonna do it myself and prefer that. Um, The only exception, it's not the only exception, but the biggest exception to that most often is wigs. And I mean the 360 bleach knots, perfectly plucked, you know, dyed to match whatever you, uh, to match an outfit or match your complexion. Like, those that are hefty duty wigs, yeah, those you definitely have to, like, and some people still go to the salon to get them applied. You know, you have to melt that lace or whatever. But child, even some of them, some of them, they just be, they customize it to you and they ship it to you. (laughs) <laughs> even then it's not always a salon um so I feel like I like hair salon culture to a certain degree you know when it's not when it's not marginalizing marginalized people um you know but <laughs> I like hair salons culture I hope that hair salons still continue to be a part of the culture I hope they don't die out no, I don't want us to pull the malls now you know what the malls are dying out them ghost malls, child, I hope we don't do that with hair salons. Child, no. I hope we never get that bad. But my final question that I asked, going off of our talk of hair salons, is do you feel comfortable in hair salons? Um, and that's in reference to what I said just a second ago about marginalizing marginalized people. Um, you know, uh, I've had I've had a friend who told me in the past that he went in to get box braids and he couldn't get it done in a salon anywhere in the city because every time he walked in said it was they were for him the older women were side eyeing him look at him like he's crazy and say yeah no I don't do that I don't do that here we don't do that here with that type of you know undertone with that type of backhanded thing you know so you know you know so that's why this, that's where this question was really birthed from my re- reference to being comfortable, um, the type of inclusivity and the type of talks sometimes, because sometimes they won't even be directed at a person, but they'll just be in general talking about it. Um, so yeah, do you feel comfortable in hair salons? 60% said yes, 40% said no. Um, also, the other thing too is... <laughs> One of my last bad experiences in a hair salon that wasn't, it was a different hair salon from the one that was 150ing me. I really did pay 150 when I walked out of there. I never went back up in there. But um, I had to switch hairstylists back in my hometown because I walked in there 930 for my retwist. Mind you, a retwist, the longest time you really spend getting your hair retwisted is under the dryer drying it, to be honest with you especially since my hair is short like I don't have length yet okay I got hang time but I don't got no I got hang time but it's short it's short it's growing though (laughs) it's growing but yeah and she was the first one who actually did my grid and started off my locks but Jesus 
when I tell you, mind you, we're still in throes of Corona, but this was even worse because this was, we weren't even back in in-person classes yet. We were still in the midst of a shutdown, but things were trying to open back open. But things were trying to open back up for the sake of money. And they're still like, why are you doing this? People are still literally dying. People are still dying now, but it was like, this was at the point where we could tell that things were opening back up because the country was sick of losing money from things being closed down. This was that weird period. So it's still very much Corona, even though it's still very much Corona right now, but different shades because they have us back on this campus job and in-person classes. But yeah, so I get there 9.30 for my appointment. I'm supposed to be there two hours tops. And most of that is literally the dryer. I hate dryers, yo. <sighs> my appointment didn't start until 45 minutes after I got there um, because she. I walked in and she was box braiding another girl's hair. Mind you, it's her studio, so it's just her. There's like four chairs um, and it's just her. The only stylist there doing everyone's head. She was doing somebody else's braids. I was like, Lord Jesus. By the time my appointment started, I was like the 12th person in the room. 11 other people, different people had walked in and we were all booked for the same time slot. All of us. All of us. And I was the only person wearing a mask. So I'm already like, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, oh my Lord. And then while she's talking, while she's talking over this girl, doing her box braids, she's saying how she just got back from Florida the day before. The day, oh child, my God. When I tell you, when I tell you, I never went back there. I was like, you're playing with my life. There is a, there is 11 people, 12 people deep in here. You're standing over everybody. Everybody's waiting to get their head done. One dude was said his, his neck was burning because he had hair dyeing on his locks. And she wasn't going over there doing his. No, I'm the only one wearing a mask. And you're telling me that you just came from Florida? Florida. The beaches in Florida. Child, I switched stylists so bad. I was like, mama, I was texting my mama the whole time. I'm like, mama, I'm not coming back, yo. Like, I, like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. So that's the story of me feeling uncomfortable in a hair salon. Um, the most recent, because, child, I was, I was beside myself. I'm like, there is no way that there's this many people in here, one stylist. You ain't doing all these heads. One, one person had fell asleep in the wash bowl because they've been sitting there for so damn long. And, and she over here just breathing freely, no mask, no nothing, no mask, no nowhere, just breathing freely. And she just came from Florida. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. A little history, the natural hair movement. It's actually kind of hard to gather like hard evidence of this, a hard timeline. Anyways, I'm going to try to relay, explain, since I am... A first person source, a primary source. That's who I am. I'm a primary source. I lived through it. I done lived through it. And I have many friends who lived through it alongside me. I have I have people my age who are people who are older. You can still like go on YouTube and find these creators. You can go find these videos. Because um, honestly, dynasties are built off of this movement. Um, but yeah, it's much easier to find... It's much easier for me to relay the natural hair movement from my perspective, from me being entrenched in it for mm, maybe four or so years, maybe four or so years. But yeah, so basically, child, <laughs> let's keep Kiki. So the natural 
hair movement, the modern natural hair movement. Like I said before, there was one back in the 60s and 70s, but we're talking about the one that was the crown of YouTube from about 2014, 2013, probably a little bit even earlier. I want to put an end date on it um, because the natural hair movement, you still have natural hair creators and you still have the waves of it left over and you still have people coming back into coming back and how do you come back into your own hair see this is what I'm talking about (laughs) you still have people reclaiming and defending the right to wear their hair as it comes out their scalp naturally so yeah basically this was the cream of the crop of black youtube for a while a while as far as I can remember this was the first time Mind you, I was in middle school when I was really, when this really kicked off, when it really got traction. And this was the first time that there was really black women content creators that I got to see, especially on a platform where you're seeing them. It's like self-produced and it's visual because um, there's definitely a black girl blogger era, which we will probably chronicle later because I am helping keeping the era alive, you heard. But yeah, as far as, you know, the, the videos and having the Instagram attached and having the Pinterest and having the I'm sharing these tips and this is how to's and oh, let me do reviews like actual content queens, black content queens. I would attribute it to natural hair movement. And I feel like this was before we even knew for real what type of bad content creation was. We didn't know for real what type of bad content creation was at this point, especially not in YouTube. There was people making money back then, but they were not in the hair or beauty industry like that. Well, that's that's wrong. Let me not say that because makeup has always made its coin. Don't get me wrong. makeup The makeup girls always made their coin over there. But as far as hair, mm, no, not really. And this was a movement that wasn't, like, isolated to a certain generation or was something that not everybody knew about. Everybody knew about the natural hair movement. Everybody was watching the videos. Everybody had new new creators. When I tell you, like, I think the only generation that it didn't, I didn't see it affect or didn't, I couldn't have a conversation with was my grandma which she's a baby boomer but every other woman that i've ever met any of every other black woman i've ever met since then knows exactly what we're talking about no knows the products knows the influence knows that you probably try to do your own hair and you've probably tried to make flaxseed gel you've probably put mayonnaise in your hair and you've probably maybe big chopped if you were if you didn't go through the the um the straightening and the heat damage and and the relaxing i know you've probably heard of or tried to make rice water it's just uh, reinventing the real the wheel with what greases work and which ones you like it's all a lot but 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 um it was it was fun because it was a black cultural phenomena you know what I mean and we still live in this age where you can see people reference it um directly and with without any context and black women black femmes black girls 
even black men at this point know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and it's just, it, it's a moment in time that I, I'm happy to have lived through. Um, even with his trials and tribulations child, cause some of it did end up, mm, oh gosh, that's, that's, that's whole other episodes when it comes to we start getting into texturism specifically because texturism texturism was very prevalent in the natural hair movement as well you would think otherwise you would think otherwise that texturism wouldn't touch a movement made for natural black hair but it did it did child (laughs) i hate that for us i absolutely hate that for us but it did it did um and it's funny especially since natural hair uh, movement was created for 4C girls. It was meant for kinkier title curls. Um, and even just saying 4C, I'm saying it because I know that's what will be understood and what is the common lingo. But even the hair typing system itself has its own problems and weird origins and is weaponized often. So I'm saying I'm using the word 4C because uh, because it's appropriate, but I'm saying it reluctantly and I'm saying it with an asterisk. I'm talking with an asterisk over the <laughs> over 4C, but yeah, it was it was, and it eventually turned. Oh, child, I don't even know how to explain it. The natural hair movement, basically, it was cream of the crop of YouTube, and you got these channels with these creators um black women all shades all shapes all backgrounds all different hair textures all some of them were more informative than others some of them were like personal diaries where you were on the natural hair journey with them and they were trying things out along with you and then you were there was ones who like oh i already got this game on lock i already know what i'm doing i'm not here seeking knowledge because that's really what it was this this was an era of seeking how to do our hair in a way that allows it to look the way and style it the way and be this length that we want it to be because somewhere that knowledge got lost and I'm not sure how I'm not sure how I'm not sure how it got lost so widely um because like I said the first natural hair movement was the 60s 70s so between the 60s and 70s and what we're, we're talking 2013 so the 2010s even before that but between the movements that's maybe what two generations is it two generations i think that's two generations at least i'm not good i don't do math i don't do math child but <laughs> um the knowledge of how to take care of it what was best practice um wasn't there uh it just it just wasn't there no one no one really knew um i like my own mother didn't know my mother child i don't think any of my aunts all of my aunts my grandma has been relaxed for as far back as anybody can remember child my even to this day my grandma got her ponytail she get her little relaxer to this day and she's 74 and then my mom and all my aunts also had relaxers um i think think all of them are natural now yes yes because my mom did the big chop she did the big chop chop forever ago she did it forever ago but she 
my mom has iron deficiency problems. So you couldn't tell. She wasn't making the amount of progress that you would hope to make once you do the big chop. Because um, she's had untreated iron deficiency problems this whole time. And then I used to want, I remember I used to want my mom's hair so bad because she had it. She had, she had it bumped. She had, she had the relaxum. She had the middle part. And then she had her ends bumped into a cute little bob. Child, I wanted to be my mama so bad. But she forced me to be natural before her. And I did the big chop. I did the big chop back in fourth grade, child, actually. <laughs> I don't think it was, it w- was it called that back then? Now I want to ask my mom. Now I want to ask my mom. Because there was, it wasn't even necessarily called a big chop. I think that lingo didn't come out until the natural hair movement. Um, the modern one. <laughs> um, but my, I just had a bunch of like hair, dead hair, dead ends. Um, and my mom had my other auntie just chop it all off. I remember being so heartbroken. I remember being broken hearted. But that also meant that I was clean slated for when, you know, YouTube started up and things really kicked it off. And I could just get right into, you know, putting all these products and, and buying all these things and becoming, oh, God. God, I'm trying to stay on track for y'all. I truly am. But it's just all these memories and all these different things is just so crazy from what i recall at the time where i used to be entrenched in the natural hair movement on youtube and you know trying all these things and listening to these people and you know watching all these product reviews of things that i turns out i didn't really need the top creator was natural 85 that's from my perspective um there were a bunch of other really popular like it wasn't just her and everybody else was beneath her but as far as I remember, she was like the person where if you were trying out a new method, if you heard something from somebody else, you wait for her to see and do to know if it was like for real. She was one of the content creators that you trusted and that was reputable because we'll talk about this more as the podcast continues on. But there were creators who were just trying to they weren't trying to antagonize you but they were knowingly misleading you astray there were aspects of natural hair um, community to the movement that was predatory there were there were instructors there were content creators who were really in like instructors really they were instructing us on how to take care of our natural hair of ways to style it of what you know is worth buying and what's not and what's teaching you about soul fates and all the all the jumble up mess, mess and hair porosity, everything. They'll teach you everything. But some of them knew that that they couldn't create content that was transparent, wholly transparent, and that was individualized. And they knew that. So to weigh those out, a lot of us turned to Natural 85 because she was hard and true nice and trustworthy she was cream of the crop at the time um and she's still very popular today like to this day her name is whitney white was is to this day i'm saying was as if she as if she doesn't still create which she does like i'm looking at her youtube channel as we speak and the latest post was from two days ago she's still out here doing the thing she's still out here giving to the community but i haven't been part of the the movement i haven't watched not that I've been part of the movement. That's not even correct to say at all. But I haven't 
watch natural hair content, YouTube content in years. <laughs> years and years and years and years because of how repetitive it ended up getting. Because there's only so much things you can say. There's only so much money you had to spend on products. There's only so much you hope you can have after not getting any results for over a year. You know, so I haven't been part of this aspect of the community in a hot minute. But Natural 85, Whitney White. Whitney White was definitely... She she was the guiding star. <laughs> um, like she was the buoy. She was the buoy. Wading through all the all the all the mess, all the BS, she was the buoy. And it's actually really just really amazing. Um, when I had mentioned earlier that back then we didn't know that you could really, you know, build and make a career off of content creation. Um, the only thing that really the only thing that really gave that type of energy, because I'm trying to think of better terms to explain this, but you know what? I'm not going to code switch. Uh, <laughs> but the only thing that, you know, kind of clued us into that you can do that was Vine. Because Viners and, like, not to stare off, but, like, MadCon and, like, them going on tour just because they made six-second six videos, that was the first... This was all around the same time, mind you. Vine... Vine was dead before 2016-2017. Um, so this was around the same time. But as far as content creating through social media apps, through websites on this level, through video, wasn't it wasn't this big thing, you know? People didn't think you could make whole careers. You could you could literally carve out a place for yourself in that manner at least. But yeah, so it's just it's just incredible. Um, I mention all of that because Whitney has her own hair care line called Melanin Hair Care. I'm looking at the site right now. It says officially founded in 2015 by two sisters, Whitney and Taffeta White. Oh, I love that name, Taffeta. Um, Melanin Hair Care is rooted in passion for natural hair care, healthy scalp care natural and safe ingredients, as well as high-quality products and unique merchandise that benefits the community that it serves. Like, she has a whole hair care line because she was that girl. She still is to the state that girl. Natural 85, natural 85, people who knew, who knew and who know, know who I'm talking about. Like, this just, this is what I was saying, like, this was the first time where you really got black content queens. And to think it was just through a movement of us reclaiming our hair and our right to wear and be proud of it and to style it how we choose, not fitting into respectability politics or what people thought that it was supposed to look like or this beauty standard that isn't even ours. It's incredible. So I'm just really, I'm just really glad that we're having this conversation and that we're getting to start the conversation. I'm saying getting to have, we're starting it because this is just broad strokes. This is really broad strokes <laughs> because there's so little things in this community to talk about. There's the big chop and how it happened and how it made you feel and then having to go into the world with it. 
there's hair porosity and uh, did you ever find did y'all ever find out got hair porosity please tell me i i swear, <laughs> i swear to this day i don't know my hair porosity i could never that that little piece of hair in that water cup it just never worked i don't know i was always confused child anyways but hair porosity um big chopping how the natural hair movement still managed to can I bleep myself? No, let me not cuss. But <laughs> to mm, on <laughs> 4C hair. Um, which it's, I swear to y'all, that's the most craziest thing to come out of this. How for, the movement created 4, 4C hair for black hair. And 4C hair still managed to get like glossed over and and, and like degraded and it's just, oh my God, there's so many things to talk about. We still got to talk about um, the hair being used as punishment. And I was just talking on that post about my locks, about how I was terrified to wear my natural hair for a while um, after I got my locks, because I was still using my wig as, 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 as a crutch. I was still too scared to wear my hair that I was, I was so happy to get my locks and to finally start my journey. But to wear and have it be seen, my little baby locks out in the world, out and about, out in the supermarket, it just, it still, it scared me, which is so sad. <laughs> like, it's so sad that we had to have a movement, a movement that encouraged, that taught us how to take care of our hair, that encouraged us to wear our hair, our own hair, as ever, however it comes out. However, well, not technically however it comes out, you know, twist outs, bantu knots, all the things. But to wear our hair and style it and be proud of it, it, it just I I think that I don't even know. It just leaves me so bewildered. I'm literally sitting here bewildered while I'm talking to y'all. Because it's so sad that all this was necessary. We shouldn't have needed to reclaim our hair. We shouldn't need to reclaim such an integral part to our culture. Like hair spanning spanning the black diaspora, you know, from braids, like the braiders back in our days of, oh, I hate even bringing it up. I hate, I, I get mad thinking about it. But back in our days, in the days of bondage, where braiders used to braid the path to freedom into the scalp, into the pattern. And they used to leave, like, you know, beads of rice and and, and, and cone roll them in so they'd have something on the way. And then just all the beautiful ways that people style and take care of their hair back in Africa. And it's just like, it got all, it all got stripped. It all got muddled. It all got pushed aside for the sake of assimilation and survival. And I, I hate that for us. Absolutely hate that for us. But it's looking better by leagues and bounds, even people who don't wear their natural hair out all the time or even often, they know more about taking care of it now than they did pre-2014, you know? They have basic understanding. And that's, and, and, and I'm just so happy for that. I'm, I'm genuinely so happy that we have basic understanding of how to take care of our hair. The day ever came where, you know, you'd want to be like, okay, well, I don't feel like doing anything else with my hair. I'm going to wear my own. Or, you know, you go and have children and you, and you know how to take care of your child's hair. 
Because let's face it, a lot of our mothers didn't know how to take care of our hairs either growing up. They were just as lost as us. So it's just breaking, breaking that for ourselves and for people to come after. It's just so, it's so amazing. And I'm so proud, proud, like sitting here talking about this. But yeah, that was <laughs> the broad strokes of natural hair movement. There are we're gonna get way more into it because there's so many other aspects that weren't even glossed on here. But I just wanted to give context to it in case anyone, any of the listeners, either didn't live through it or from somewhere else where they haven't needed a natural hair movement. Um, you can still find all the content to this day on YouTube. Natural eighty five is still her name on you Whitney Whitney White's name on YouTube. She's still putting up content. Just you can go find it. <laughs> it's there. It's there to this day. To this very day. Oh my gosh. Black content queens. I aspire to be you. I didn't even know it at the time, but I still aspire to be you. And that's today's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope the audio quality well I sh- I'm I'm about to go and edit all this. So I'm going to know that the audio quality jumped by leagues and bounds from the first episode because I went and bought the mic and the whole setup. I felt bad. I'm a perfectionist. It wasn't giving what's supposed to be gay. So I got y'all. We got a mic. Um, Definitely go check me out on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, TikTok, all at Chase Joy Shanice. Yeah, at Chase Joy Shanice. <laughs> all the links will be in the description go and check out my blog. I am a journalist student. I am a writer first and foremost. So, and the, and this podcast was born out of the blog. So, um, you want more content? You want to see what I'm talking about over there? Cause that's weekly. www.shacejoyshanice.com means so much. You can even sign up to be in part of my newsletter, my email list over there. You know, Instagram was down. Instagram went down that day and the world, the world was burning. I was living, I was chilling, (laughs) but, and then all the media girls started talking about, see, this is why we told y'all to build your email lists. I already had mine, you know, up and running or whatever. So just, you know, it has its perks. It has its, I can, we can stay in content. We can stay in communication. So definitely go do all that. It means so much more to me than I can express because I've been living out my dream ever since, (laughs) ever since committing to journalism. And I just want y'all to be a part of it because we are the joyful community here. Um, one other thing. Oh yeah. So chatting with Shanice is supposed to have an advice column section to it. Um, that's originally why the podcast is called chatting with Shanice because it's supposed to be like a segment. But I couldn't come up with other names for the whole podcast. So here we are. Um, but yes, anything that y'all want to ask, anything you want to hear my opinions on, anything like whether it's personal or it's pop culture or it's something that you want me to look into a little bit more and, and, and discuss and share, please let me know. Um, on all those platforms that are in the description box, um, there's a contact form on the blog itself. I This is a community and communities communicate. And I really want that for us because as we're learning, healing, growing, and just, you know, living through all the trials and tribulations of being beautiful black femmes, I want us to, you know, do that in community. So please do that. 
I've always wanted to be a, an advice columnist. I'm giving very much early 2000s rom-com. Um, love that for me. Love that for y'all. Um, see y'all in two weeks. Bye.